The Common Sense Psychic with Phyllis King. Phyllis brings a unique and down-to-earth style with her common sense psychic readings and spiritual dialogue with callers and guests. Here's your host for the Common Sense Psychic, Phyllis King. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I am your host, Phyllis King. Thank you for being here, whether it's live or to the download. I do appreciate it. And I do have a very special and wonderful guest coming up momentarily. Um, And let me just say thank you to um, my dear friend, um, Marcy, for being here today to screen your calls. Now, today isn't going to be a QA and a with me, but you're certainly welcome to post a question for my guest, Naya Swami Asha. It's such a timely t- uh, moment to have her here today because, you know, for most of us, at least my audience, we're blue state people, and most, most of us feel like a bomb got dropped into our lives in early November, and we're still trying to figure out what that means. How did we miss the signs? How did we not recognize the momentums that were around us. And certainly as someone who does predictions for a living, at least that's part of my living, and most of my comrades in this realm, we we didn't recognize these patterns. We couldn't see them. And now that it's hit, and it's not just a presidential election. You know, many of my clients, people are coming to me. I just lost my job. My relationship is on on the rocks. I have all this wounding from the past and trauma that's coming forward, causing me to look at it again. So my sense is it's planetary, but it certainly filters down to us on an individual level. So I thought it was so timely to have my wonderful guest here today to offer some perspective because she has a wonderful perspective. And I have to say, I've been on a spiritual path for a good 30 years, Um, not necessarily seamlessly, probably for about 20 years. And my guest has probably doubled that. And it makes a difference. You really take a lot more information in. And let me just tell you a little bit about her. Um, Because I feel honored that she's here today. And I feel very tiny (laughs) next to her in terms of my awareness and what I know and my ability to articulate things in a meaningful way to help you understand. But that's why I'm so grateful she could be here. Asha Praver, Naya Swami Asha Praver. Remember the website, Asha Praver, A-S-H-A Praver.com. And she has a YouTube channel with over 300 videos, many of them classes, lectures, information for free. And I consume these and digest these with regularity because they fill me up so much. And they uh, really help me expand myself. A great way to get access to someone. Now, Most of us are familiar on some level with the book Autobiography of a Yogi, which really chronicles the life in a story and way of the Paramahansa Yogananda. Well, uh, Asha had the experience of being a follower, a learner, an assistant to Swamiji, who was a direct disciple of the Paramahansa Yogananda. And Asha herself has been a teacher, a counselor, she's an author many times over. And what I find so amazing about her, which is really quite a skill and a gift, she has a way of articulating very complex spiritual principles in practical ways that we all can digest and go, ah, I get it, okay, and really uplift us 
Um, so I'm just so grateful she's here today. So why don't I shut up and bring her on? Asha, thank you so much for being here. It's just my joy and pleasure that you take the time to show up here. Oh, I delight in spending any time with you, Phyllis. And if this is the way to do it, this works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, so much is going on on the planet, not that it isn't always, but it seems um, a different level of chaos is uh, a different version of that is, is spreading around, and many of us don't know what to do with it. Some of us haven't seen this type of energy in our lifetime. And I'm wondering how you make sense of this or how you talk to people about this, or is that your perception? I guess I would just start there. <laughs> oh, my perception is like yours. I think I think chaos is a very good word for it. Um, I think the election, the recent election in America, was more of a symptom, actually, than a cause. But it was the okay. inevitable almost inevitable consequence of a direction that I think the whole world has been going in for a long time, and also our country. We've, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, uh, I look at what's happening now, uh, I have to look at what's happening now from a much more cosmic perspective. I do think for most people on the planet now who didn't live through World War II or were so young that it didn't impact us in the same way, this is, uh, you know, the most um, unnerving cycle I think that we've ever been in. But we've been on a trajectory for a really long time of polarization in our culture. We see it in our world. We see it um, that there's a, been just a massive increase of uh, violence and negativity and selfishness. And simultaneously, there's been a, 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 a an upswing in spiritual awareness. And it's like the middle ground where most people used to just kind of uh, hang out without much awareness. That middle ground is just being erased. And we're, we're having to, to look deeper inside to find um, clarity and confidence because the society around us has become so incredibly insecure um, I, I think it's all ultimately for the benefit of those of us who've chosen to live on the planet at this time, but there's no doubt that it's asking much more of us than many people want want to give. We prefer that it be yeah. easier, and easier seems to be um, moving away from us. Easier is an interesting word that I think... Many of us think easier is better. And I'm not against mm-hmm. easy. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> against it. I'm not a proponent for hard. But we, I, there's all, all parts of the pie need to be consumed, it, it seems. And, and uh-huh. I don't know, what, is, what about easy and what should, we, what should we be doing? I mean, I know a lot of people I know feel called to action, which I think is a positive. But it's... And what are you telling people in terms of easy, hard, and call to action or that idea? Well, the, the, the solutions that I propose require uh, taking a very long-range view, both of our individual lives and of the planet as a whole. I don't think there's any short-term picture that is capable of giving us real strength and confidence. That's one of the things that's happening. 
people are being forced to consider the meaning of life more deeply. When everything moves yes. effortlessly to your to your comfort and ease, then there's very little incentive to think deeply. We just go day to day, and it keeps coming out to our advantage, or at least sufficiently to our advantage. When it begins not to, that's when we have to ask deeper questions. So on one hand, you can say, is the necessity to ask deeper questions um, a punishment or a reward? Um we tend to think that life should be for pleasure and for ease, but if you think of reincarnation or a soul's journey toward enlightenment, you realize that the point is to wake up, not merely to drift through one lifetime after another. From that perspective, where mm-hmm. the incarnation we're living now is just a chapter in a much longer book, um, a chapter that yes. is filled with challenges and hardship isn't necessarily a bad part of the book. It's just the time when the hero or the heroine uh, finds out of what stuff they are made, often at yes. great cost, but it, mm-hmm. for their ultimate victory. Um, that's a big leap for some mm-hmm. people to go there. But once you go there, all mm-hmm. of life starts looking very different. Yes, and... I think for some of us who have spent more time there, um, you more than me, and you more seamless me than me, but at least I have some awareness and idea that there's more going on than what's in the here and now. Now, and I guess what do we do for the folks who don't have that awareness? And does it make a difference that a, a small group of people can actually help influence the larger group. I mean, is that, do you ascribe to that idea? I, I tend to think energy kind of picks up along as it goes. What uh-huh. do you think? Um, no, well, every, <laughs> no, no, every great, every world changing movement always starts with a small group of people. It has to, whether it starts with mm-hmm. a, an incarnation, a divine incarnation like Buddha or Krishna or Jesus where you have one individual who gradually gathers around him a powerful coterie of those who believe in his or her message, um, or whether it's the transcendentalist writers or the Russian Revolution, um, there's a small group of people who are very committed to an idea, and they work together, and they create a vortex, and then that vortex gradually influences, can influence the whole direction of society. I mean, as a negative, a somewhat negative example, the Bolshevik revolution in Russia, as I understand it, was just 5% of the people in that huge country. Mm-hmm. But they were 5% of the mm-hmm. people who were very deeply committed to it. Jesus had 12 disciples, yes. and, one of, and one of them betrayed him, as people are fond of saying. But there was, right. there was powerful commitment. So uh, the power of ideas and of people to embrace them is enormous. But often that happens on a more subtle level than just who gets elected. Um, to some particular office. In fact, politicians come and go, whereas revolutionary thoughts um, come out of the soil and redirect all of society. I I think that's where we're living now. We're living in a revolution, and the power is not really in those who are presently in charge. I think the power is in those who see where we're going in a positive direction, All the saints and masters Mm -hmm. right now speak of temporary difficulties 
followed by an age of much greater enlightenment. Temporary is a relative word. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the paradox of our times is that it's getting so much worse and getting so much better simultaneously. It's an extremely weird time to be living in in that respect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I know on an individual basis, and I'm sure, well, I don't want to say I'm sure anything for you in my world, when I know I am or my clients are struggling, it's that moment of contraction that ultimately leads to a greater awareness, which frees them to the next level. So if it's true individually, I'm can only make the leap that it's true, you know, globally or collectively. Well, the collective Can I make is that leap? The, <laughs> oh, yeah, because the collective is nothing but the consciousness of the individuals. I have, a, I have an example of that in my own brief span of this incarnation, which is it's, it's a fairly small example, but not really. When I was 1965 and 1966, I was 19, I became a vegetarian. I started getting interested in health foods. At that time, you couldn't buy anything, so I made everything myself, you know, things that you now can buy everywhere, like good good yogurt, good granola, good bread, good ice cream, mm-hmm. anything. I, I was, you know, one of those people. I made everything from scratch because you couldn't buy it. Nobody ever legislated uh, organic whole foods um, industry, but now organic whole foods well, Whole Foods itself is synonymous with the whole industry. It came right out yes. of the consciousness of the people. Um, look at the uh, diminution of cigarettes, as an example. Just people, everybody used mm-hmm. to smoke everywhere, and now people simply don't. Mm-hmm. And nobody, mm-hmm. I mean, facts came out, science came out, but nonetheless, it was it was the consciousness of people that gradually reformed society. What's happening right yes. now is that there's this, Incredible, and the only word for it I can think of is coarsening of our social fabric right now, with the music, with the entertainment, with the with the way people dress, with the values that they're expounding, and much to my dismay, many people who are trying to assert even positive values are doing it what I can only say in a rather vulgar manner. Um, in the mm. recent election. Mm-hmm. In the recent election, people were against the vulgarity of the man who was elected president, but many of the things that I saw that were grassroots were vulgar in themselves. They were they mm-hmm. were mean, they were snide, they were obscene in their language, they were um, mm-hmm. uh, cacophonous in their presentation. And so, in theory, they were trying to be on the what they saw as the good side but I think it's that coarsening of people's consciousness that is really yeah. the enemy right now. The man who was elected is was he simply represents, to my mind, what of, of what our country has become, and not merely the people who voted for him. Even the people who voted against right. him have allowed themselves to be coarsened, and that yeah. to me is the enemy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Indeed. And, you know, we've already talked about this, test on it a bit. Maybe we can go a little deeper with it about perhaps why these things happen, you know, and this brings us into this word karma. You know, we have karma as people. Um, Yes. Do we have karma as a country, as a world, planet? 
What is what does yeah. that mean? And is that true? And I mean, I mean, this is what we're talking. We're talking about it, that we're realizing a karma. It's coming to pass. Right. Am I taking that in a way that makes sense? <laughs> oh, perfect sense. You know, the word the word karma now is is uh, made its way into the English language, but not always with clarity. So, for purposes of this discussion, I'll say karma is an unpa- is a debt that has to be paid, a lesson that has to be learned. Uh, an effect from a cause that was put in motion at some previous time, whether a minute before or a thousand years before, but it's a boomerang that was sent out and that has to finish the circle. It's the other half of every circle. And um, the, the primary karma that we need to be concerned about is the karma that is created and therefore must be resolved by the individual. Um, the, the, the best word for that is jiva. We can use the word soul. By the individual soul, that spark of unique individuality which is, is in each one of us. And each one of us goes on this long individual journey and it's that continuing individuality, the jiva or the soul, that takes a body, lives in it, sheds the body, goes into the heavenly or the hellish worlds, the astral worlds for a time, then takes another body to keep working out its karma. Working out its karma is to understand where happiness comes from, what attitudes and action cause suffering, and who am I really. I mean, our problem is Mm -hmm. if I think, for example, that I'm a wife and a mother, and I turn out to be unable to conceive children, then I can suffer enormously because I think I'm a mother, but I can't have children. Um, Mm -hmm. If I think of myself as an individual spark of divinity wearing a physical body for a while in order to have this experience to understand my true nature on a deeper level, then when I'm profoundly disappointed in one self-definition, it becomes an incentive to expand my self-definition instead of to remain in it and suffer. That's the question, where does happiness come from? What causes suffering? You've referred to it, and I, and I'm sure everyone listening knows, much of the time, the worst thing that happens to us turns out to be the best thing that could happen to us. Or at Mm -hmm. least it turns out... Mm -hmm to have taken us somewhere we wanted to go that we couldn't have gotten there by any other means. So we may call it bad karma, but if it takes you to where you need and want to be, how is it bad? See, these are the words that get Mm -hmm. confusing. Difficult, challenging, unpleasant, yes. But bad? Who can say? You know, death comes Mm -hmm. to everyone. It's a question only of how we live, not whether or not eventually we pass out of this body. So mm-hmm. so the soul, the jiva, has its destiny. It has its collected, unlearned lessons. And how all that works is about the chakras. And you referred to my website, um, Asha Joy. And you'll find, actually, you said 300 videos. There's actually closer to 1,000. And all of these subjects Oh, my gosh. Are, I know all of these subjects are explored at great length, but let's uh, anyway, uh, it's all there. But let me just speak about this. When we leave the physical world, we go up into the energy world, the astral world. And 
the and from the perspective of the astral world, it's all just energy patterns. We don't have a physical body. We just have our energy pattern. And our energy pattern is the collection of our karma, which is those things that are still capable of dis- distracting and confusing us from our true nature, which is divine bliss. And that karma sort of the, the, the bills have to be paid, so we have to choose mm-hmm. another physical body. And we survey the entire cosmos, many planets, Many planets at different stages of evolution, let's just work with planet Earth, many different cultures and options on planet Earth, and we look for a situation in which the events that will unfold um, match the lessons that we have to learn. So if I need to be an an impoverished, um, disabled person, I will look for a place where I can be an impoverished, disabled person. If I need to be a wealthy, um, a wealthy industrialist who's going to lose everything in a revolution, I'll look for an unstable political place to go be in. And it's it's mm-hmm. paying back. It's paying back that which we um, that uh, it's it's finishing the circle of whatever actions we've done in the past, and. It's also mm-hmm. learning the new lessons. It's a new opportunity. If if it's a time to just relax and enjoy, we get to go to Hawaii before the English missionaries ever arrived. We just get to live mm-hmm. on the islands in paradise. But the circumstances we choose also have a certain momentum. Um, but mm-hmm. they're there to serve the individual soul journey. But they have a a power of their own. America, for example, as a country, Paramahansa Yogananda said that America overall has very good karma. We've been very generous, we're energetic, we're self-sustaining, we're egalitarian, we're democratic, uh, we're soft-hearted, you know, we're honorable as as a people. You can point to aberrations Mm -hmm. in that, but as a people, we have good karma. However, the founding of America, Yogananda said, was we got some very the country got very bad karma because of the way we treated the american indians and mm-hmm. because of our energetic pr- pursuit of so many positive things that karma hasn't we've we've stayed ahead of that karma for the last couple of hundred years but he said that karma still has to be paid off because the wealth of this country um was achieved by very bad actions not bad actions necessarily mm-hmm. by you or by me I feel I was more likely to have been one of the American Indians rather than one of those who took advantage of them. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. the country itself, its wealth, has this aberration in it. And that's an right. unpaid debt. And he said, Yogananda said, that we will have to suffer primarily economically because it was an act of enormous greed. And so mm. from the astral world, some of us thought, oh, I need to be challenged economically in this lifetime. So I'm going to be born in the United States in time for this greed to become insanely out of balance and mm-hmm. inflation and uh, technological advancement that keeps um, evaporating jobs, globalization, which keeps evaporating jobs. I get to have all those opportunities because they exactly match um, the circumstances I need 
to learn my next lesson. Yes. So my karma matches the karma of the circumstance I, I chose to step into. But the force yes. of the karma of the country is is a little more than you or I can just change by learning our personal lesson. All right. Um, we have to we have to participate in the unfolding of the whole drama. And that's where we yes. find ourselves exactly in this minute. Mm-hmm. That was a long story, but well, it's a long, it's a complicated question. No, but it it really lays it out in a way that we can track it and see yes, how exactly. it works. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um before we move on, I just want to say for those of you who've just joined me, my guest today is Naya Swami Asha, a spiritual director from Ananda Palo Alto who is really a, a lifelong student, teacher, counselor from the wisdom of the Paramahansa Yogananda, and you were side-by-side his direct disciple, Swamiji. Wow, what an experience that was. <laughs> and yeah, I know you've said before that you know he left the planet recently, um, and it, things became a lot less fun. Is that still true? Oh, yes, it's still true. I met him in 1969. I knew him well until he died in 2013. So that certainly has been the definition of my life. And his his consciousness mm-hmm. is not bound by life or death, but his uh, physical presence was delightful. And it isn't mm-hmm. as much fun. It's exactly right. I'm still getting used to it. I, I still think mm-hmm. he's just on a long trip and is just going to return tomorrow. <laughs> I haven't quite gotten used to the fact. That's not going to walk in the door again. <laughs> well, what he's on a, a gift, long trip and... to be able to, yeah, to be able to share all those decades with him. <clears throat> and I feel well in a certain parallel in that when I watch your videos. By the way, the YouTube channel um, is it Asha Joy as well as Asha Praver on YouTube. All the redirects um, take you there. If you Asha Joy will take you to everything. That's the way to, to do it. Yeah. Well, I know when I look at your videos and all your classes, and there's so many you set up to a thousand. I mean, a lot of times I'll just type in something I'm concerned about and see if uh-huh. get your perspective, <clears throat> and a video will pop up. And I often feel like, uh, you know, I've just begun. How will I ever get up to where you are? And I know that you said you felt that way at one time in relationship to but, Swami G. Is that the case? Well, I still, still do. Absolutely, I feel yeah. like I, I feel mm-hmm. like a child. Once I remember, I had to buy uh, tickets for a boat ride. We were just on a holiday, and they asked me how many adults and how many children. I was about forty. I said one adult, two children, and I was one of the children. <laughs> then I realized, no, actually, when I show up, they're not going to really get this. <laughs> so I had to cross my fingers and say three That's adults. Great. <laughs> That's no, great. it's. Mm-hmm. You know the example. What Swami Kriyananda gave to me, quite simply, was the example of the potential of, of a human being. I know my my mm. concept of, of good enough is is minute compared to really, what we're capable of. You know how how really, mm. selfless, uh, pure-minded and joyous a person can actually be, and therefore creative mm. and giving and, funny and fun and. It, this is all the. This is the whole question of karma, you know. There's so many mm-hmm. considerations, limited considerations that bind my consciousness. 
I mean, I worry about this, I worry about that, I wonder if God is really in in charge, I doubt my own potential to fulfill certain responsibilities I have, and all of it just uh, creates a, a fog in the in the capacity to really be a pure channel, and life is simply the effort to face and overcome <clears throat> step by step all of those uh, mm-hmm. limiting conditions which seem so real but in fact are just a veneer over our own potential uh, yes. that's not something i mean that's that's the comfort in the in the hard times but to say it is one thing to find the strength within yourself to actually implement that in your life that's the whole spiritual path well and for me so much comes down to my ability to surrender to a different wisdom than perhaps I would call it my ego, I guess. And, you know, I hear this word a lot in self-realization and in your videos, this word identification, which I continue to find really fascinating about. And then mm-hmm. this will tie into probably where does happiness come from and magnetism. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's like I can be so strongly, and I use the word identified now, with a point mm-hmm. of view that thing mm-hmm. over there is right for me. That thing. I mm-hmm. need that thing. And if that thing doesn't happen, I'm upset. Sort of like you described earlier about being a mother. Um, yeah. But could you say a little bit about identification and how that ties into how we get happy? <laughs> yes, I think that's a very good question. If If you think about life as anybody knows it, we realize that all of education or learning – it's it's all about increasing our awareness. Um, I mean, a little child isn't aware. Uh, when a child discovers its own hands, it can be frightened by its own hands. It's just lying on his back, and then these things randomly cross in front of its face as far as it can tell. And it, it, it can be scared mm-hmm. by the presence of its own hands, which just come in and and flutter about and then disappear. But then the baby gradually becomes aware of its own body and its capacity to control it. It learns, you know, a child learns to read, to to leave the the mother's side, uh, to see its own power, to communicate. And as adults, uh, we gradually become aware. We become aware that I'm capable of making a living in the world. I become aware that I can be a good friend to someone. I I'm aware that I can earn money if I need to earn money. I mean, we gradually increase our awareness. And sometimes when hard times hit us, um, our awareness increases even more. We think, I can't live through this. I can't live without this. I can't live with that. But then we become aware of a potential within us that we didn't know was there, and that expanded potential then becomes our self-definition. So mm-hmm. what the all the, the scriptures and the masters tell us is that in our true nature, beyond life and death, beyond the circumstances of any one lifetime, there is a, an enduring consciousness which is a perfect reflection of the divine. And we never actually lose that, ever. That's always the animating force. 
But when we live for a long time in a particular body, in a particular way, with a particular personality, we we begin to identify so much with the limited part that we no longer mm. can define ourselves by the unlimited part. Mm-hmm. And those all of those limitations eventually get broken because none of them is eternal. Um, it, if nothing mm-hmm. else, we die. Everybody dies. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. remarkable characteristic about death is that this whole world disappears. And everything that yeah. you were, you aren't anymore. So do you go into nothing or do you go into a greater state of awareness? And this is what so many of the after the death and return experiences are about. People come and say, mm-hmm. I had no idea. I, I thought I was just that body. I thought I was just this personality. And I discovered I'm so much more. And then mm-hmm. everything in this world is different because now they have identified with this far greater reality. So it becomes, mm-hmm. a, 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 a as you're discovering, it becomes a very interesting way to work our way through challenges and to overcome suffering. Because the only mm-hmm. reason I'm suffering at the loss of X, Y, or Z is because I have identified so deeply with it that when I think when I lose it, mm-hmm. I think I myself have been obliterated. Mm-hmm. But if if mm-hmm. somebody else, if it happens to somebody else, you're not identified with it. Somebody else's car mm-hmm. gets smashed. You may feel sorry for them, but you haven't identified with that car, so it's just somebody else's car. Um, mm-hmm. it, and and the course of the positive dimension of hard times and suffering is that it forces people, as I was saying at the very beginning, to think more deeply. Who am I really? Can I continue to exist mm-hmm. now that my wife has died or my husband has left mm-hmm. me? You know, am I really only defined externally or is there some mm-hmm. inherent inner reality that continues even thrives no matter what else happens mm-hmm. um, before we move into other questions that I'd love to hear you talk on would you be so kind as to share with the listeners what um, Ananda actually is and the self-realization okay. movement as we call it so they have some Excellent. frame of reference definitely self-realization is a, a, a classic term translated into English for the process of uh, spiritual awakening which is to discover as we've been discussing who who am I um, really and we call it realization rather even than discovery or actualization because we simply realize who I am in the infinite S with a capital self Mm -hmm. with a capital S versus the self with a small s that I thought I was, I realize my infinite potential. Um, Paramhansa Yogananda, who wrote, as you mentioned, Autobiography of a Yogi, which is one of the classic spiritual texts of our times. And in fact, uh, yesterday was the 100th anniversary of its publication. And it continues to be the, the seminal book for for spiritual seekers, almost everyone who steps outside of the mainstream uh, churches, so to speak, reads Autobiography of a Yogi. And the man, the man who wrote it, Paramhansa, which is really his title, Paramhansa Yogananda, 
was a uh, was born in India, but he came to America in 1920 and spent um, all his life, all the rest of his life, until he died in 1952 in America, primarily in California, Los Angeles. And he his book and his spiritual presence, to a very large extent, helped launch the spiritual awakening that we're all, the wave of spiritual awakening that we're all still riding. And he systematized um, the practices that lead to self-realization in simple ways that were very accessible to Westerners. He's not the only one who has done this kind of work, but he's he's a, a grandfather figure, so to speak, in the whole movement. Um, he died mm-hmm. in 52. I was born in 47, so I never met him. But my teacher, Kriyananda, mm-hmm. who's an American who took that name, Indian name, I met, met Yogananda in 1948. And Kriyananda uh, was raised in Europe, but he has an American passport and American parents. And he was born, uh, came to Yogananda at a very young age. He was only 22. He was born to translate Yogananda's ideals into a practical way of life that was particularly suited for the the first the West and now the globalization of the planet. And he started a community in 1968 now that was called Ananda. Ananda is a common word now, and it simply means divine joy. And the idea of Ananda, which I've been part of since uh, 71, is that spirituality these days is not separate from life itself. So by mm-hmm. planting the spiritual principles in in a community rather than in a monastery, the idea was we mm-hmm. nowadays people want to live an integrated rather than a separated life. They want to marry, they want to have children, right. they want to have creative work, businesses. We 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 have this impulse to spiritualize society rather than drop out of it. And Ananda right. is the like a, a prototype of what that could look like. Um, and I've been part of the original community, and now I've I've been for almost 30 years part of a uh, a branch of that, which is in Palo Alto, which is you know the Silicon Valley technology center of the planet, where we're trying to take all that innovative energy that's manifesting in technology and use that same spirit um, to innovate our approach to spirituality um, with our temple here and all the classes that I give and, and others, many others. I'm not I'm not single handed in this, thank you. And you know, I, I consider mm-hmm. I used to be politically active. I mean used to be meaning when I was before I was twenty, a very long time ago now, fifty years literally. Um but I soon felt that I I couldn't see how things could be fixed fixed merely by rearranging all the pieces. And I began to understand that what we need is a complete change of attitude, a change of consciousness is really what we need. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what we're suffering from, I think, in our society is we've separated ourselves from our relationship with a greater reality. And I don't just mean with yeah. each other or with the planet, but I mean with, with the consciousness that's bigger than just human life. I mean, the word for that is God. There's no mm-hmm. other word for it. Although you can avoid that word if you want, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We're still talking about a greater reality. When we no. restore 
our individual sense of being part of a greater reality, every other attitude falls into place. Mm-hmm. Because what yeah. makes it possible to carry out some of the uh, uh, horrific things we see being carried out is the sense that I can have what I want, I can take it from you, and that has nothing to do with me. But once we yeah. feel ourselves right. part of a greater reality, then we move in an integrated, expansive, altruistic way because we see everything as interrelated with ourselves, and so there's no point of separation um, that allows um, all of this to occur. Yes. Ah, wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, By the way, if you just joined us, you're listening to me sometimes, but my guest, Naya (laughs) Swami Asha from... Ananda and Palo Alto, I just uh, just find you to be such a gift and so happy that I stumbled across you in a sort of way. Uh, and this idea you just spoke about, though, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make this about me necessarily, but there, there came a point in my life when just exactly what you're talking about, I didn't want my, my spirituality to be separate from the rest of my life. And even though I was following spirituality for a very long time um just have wanting it to be all seamless and i think that's one of the things that i find so appealing about a in general just for myself but um okay well let's turn a little bit um and we're, we're talking some of how you know where happiness comes from which is i love that question and so many yeah. of us think that think it comes from having things being able to create or manifest whatever money, whatever relationships. Um, is that true? Does happiness come from things we can create or get or have? Or is there any truth to that? Or where, how do we get it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, well, I know you've been, you've been answering it, but I'm, yeah. I know it's go a ahead. good question. It's, it's the question everyone asks. Yogananda, when he came to America, his, he, he reduced the wisdom of the ages to two simple questions. You know, everybody acts in a way that they believe will bring them happiness and help them to avoid suffering. If you, if you introspect mm-hmm. honestly and carefully enough, you'll realize every single decision is motivated by those two forces. That's, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. But what happens mm-hmm. to us is we have to gradually understand on a deeper and deeper level even what is happiness and what is suffering. Um, if some people think if, if I'm never challenged, then I'm happy. Some people would think if mm-hmm. I'm never challenged, then I'm suffering. Because <laughs> yeah. it just depends on, <laughs> on who you are. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a gradual not only discovering how to get you know, happiness, but even what happiness is. Is happiness mm-hmm. a continuous expansion of awareness or is it just nestling down, you know, carving your place out in the rock and just hiding in there and wait for the algae to float by? I mean, it's just, it it, it all depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, you know, we we get to we get to find out each time, and it it isn't that there's nothing lovely in this world, and that a beautiful home and a happy family and dear friends and beautiful art that you create. It's it's not as if those things 
do not bring us happiness, the question is, what is the ultimate source of our happiness and what are the conditions, what conditions are required for me to maintain my happiness? There is a tremendous Mm -hmm. satisfaction in being able to focus your consciousness and generate energy to manifest whatever it is that you feel inclined to manifest. Is it the Mm -hmm. thing when it's achieved that is happiness producing or is it the experience of being able to concentrate and be a channel for the energy? And Mm -hmm. if it's the thing itself, then you see we're always vulnerable because Mm -hmm. everything eventually goes away and other people, even though well-intended, can't always control their own destiny. So insofar as we have defined and limited our happiness by something that is inherently unstable and will eventually go away, then we are Mm -hmm. at least susceptible to suffering. And over Mm -hmm. over the course of many lifetimes, many things happen and we become... We begin to ask the question on a deeper level, must I always be vulnerable or can I mm-hmm. I move the source of my happiness deeper and deeper into myself so even if I may express it through these things, it's never absolutely defined by those things. It's like, am mm-hmm. I the trunk of the tree or am I its farthest branch? If If I am the trunk of the tree, all the branches could be severed and I still exist and can regenerate even. If I have defined my happiness as the farthest branch and that branch breaks, then I'm not connected to source anymore and I'm broken, at least for the time. Right. Yeah. You know, I I had an experience which was extremely vivid for me of course, I, accepting reincarnation is just my point of view is essential for what I'm going to say. But a friend of mine, um, an acquaintance of mine, uh, he met the woman he married when they were still in high school. They were married for more than 40 years, but relatively early, in her mid-60s, she contracted a, an extremely obscure disease, and went, in a couple of years she died. And the the family was wealthy, socially prominent. Um, You know, everything had worked for them. They'd raised a good family. Everything had worked. But all of a sudden, his companion of his whole life, he'd he'd really never been a person without this woman. And he was Mm -hmm. devastated and had no context, absolutely no context. And I, attending this funeral where there are hundreds of people who are all also devastated, I had much that I could say, but none of what I had to say was wanted because nobody wanted what I had to say. And I was I was intensely suffering, primarily because of his suffering. But then it crossed my mind. Mm. This is the kind of experience that forces a person to think more deeply about the meaning and the yeah. purpose of life. And so I thought, mm-hmm. I, instead of, I mean, I, I still had... Co- Tremendous compassion for his suffering, but I wasn't worried about it anymore because I thought these are these are the experiences that I've had in previous lifetimes that caused me not to love not to love less, but to but to love with a greater understanding of mm-hmm. uh, what the realities of life are, and not to expect mm-hmm. of life what it can't promise me, and feel betrayed when yeah. it doesn't deliver. 
Yes, yes. Um, th- these next two questions, uh, well, we're we're going in the same direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I-, I was hoping you'd have some explanation on, about magnetism itself for the listeners. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. since we only have, you know, maybe 10 or 12 minutes left together, um, mm-hmm. how can we, in your, in your, this is just opinion, what can mm-hmm. we do to be optimistic now? How can we embrace optimism and, and see what's glorious about this time and lean into that, meaning coping with, uh, the revolution, as we call it, this revolutionary energy, but also right. being able to have our needs met on a physical level. Um, oh, yeah, it's all it's it's all very challenging, isn't it? You may get. I mean, we're we're completely spoiled in this country, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, in terms of money's been money and comfort have been relatively. I don't mean for everyone, but have been relatively easy to come by. And so, if they become mm-hmm. much scarcer, if resources become scarcer, it's going to be a new reality for most of us living here. Yes. Um, you know, the, the, how, how to stay optimistic is you have to have a long-range view. And there's a difference between being optimistic and then just and living in a dream world. You know, we can be optimistic and try to be positive, but to be positive is to realistically assess and accept how much energy is going to be required to deal with a situation. You can be positive and get 10 soldiers and invade a country and just think our positive energy will cause us to win. But it's more positive to actually assess the power of what you're up against and and either choose a more appropriate battle or if the battle comes to you, recognize what's going to be required here in order to succeed. Yes. Uh, yes. So I wish, wishful thinking won't do it. The only thing that will do it as right. far as I can see is having an inner relationship with with a, a greater power and having built that relationship before the challenge comes, or at least work on it now, so that one will have a sense that I'm right where I should be and what's coming to me is for my own highest good. And that's the optimism, yeah. is that nothing will come yeah. to me that is not for my own highest good. Um uh, and and that's a very optimistic point of view, but that's not going to prevent yes. challenge and tragedy. That's wishful thinking. And what mm-hmm. is tragedy? Tragedy is a temporary setback. My optimism is this: this story has a happy ending, and if I haven't reached the happy mm-hmm. ending, I haven't reached the end of the story. <laughs> this mm-hmm. chapter. Okay may not have a happy ending because mm-hmm. bad things happen. All we have to do is look back in history. It doesn't always work out for my team. Sometimes my team yes. loses. And sometimes my yes. team loses horrifically. But the soul yes. is never lost. And the jiva always yes. has the opportunity to face with courage whatever God has sent to me with the faith that God would not have sent it to me if it wasn't ultimately for my highest good. Mm-hmm. And then you start looking yeah. at things with a very different question. Why is this good for me? 
What good thing is this yeah. bringing me? What positive quality yeah. is this awakening in me? And sometimes that quality, and I have to say this, you know, is just endurance. I, I recently mm-hmm. have had to observe that I thought I was a happy person, but actually I was just pleased by my life circumstances. <laughs> and being pleased <laughs> is not the same as being happy. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I, had, I had good mm-hmm. karma and... And so everything pleased me. My circumstances pleased me. Then my circumstances stopped pleasing me. Oh, so where does my happiness come from? Yeah. Yeah. It was shocking. Yeah. I was shocked. I love that way you said that. I'm pleased versus happy. Because when things are going our way, it's certainly easy to feel happy. And then when they stop going our way, which is, I think, sort of we're ending where we, I began today, for many yeah. of us, a bomb got dropped in our life, and we're sort of trying to put the pieces back to say, wow, okay, where does my happiness come from, and am I still powerful, and can I create, and will life still support me in a way that's not scary, <laughs> you know, or will I be well, faced is, with fearful things? Or you know. It might be mm-hmm. very scary. I mean, many things. I, this mm-hmm. is, I'm not really pessimistic, but I just say, sure, yeah. It, it, it was a long time ago, but in 1976, in our community, the forest fire came and just burned down the community. And I remember standing on yeah. this ridge watching the fire coming and turned to a friend and I said, well, I think this one's going to really burn us out. And like just for a mm-hmm. second, it was like, no, no, this doesn't happen to us. But it does. You know, we've lived yeah. in a very supportive society and not everybody gets to live in a supportive society. We may get to be challenged. Yeah. And so the, you know, I was saying earlier about uh, I used to be politically active and so on. I feel that I am intensely politically active because I work all the time to help people develop inner strength and positive consciousness. And to me, that's the solution. Because if you have inner strength and positive consciousness based on unchanging realities, which is my relationship with the infinite, then... Mm-hmm. If we're in a, a prosperous society, great. If we're in a depressed society, well, harder to deal with, but my tools are still in place. If mm-hmm. if my strength yeah. is dependent on my society matching my expectations, we are in big trouble. We've gotten away with it for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the weird thing is, of course, that a lot of people are very pleased now. So who's even to say? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just, of course, my way is right, but maybe not. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, something is being brought into balance in some way, and yes. not that I'm able to conceive or understand the totality of it. And I'm hoping that because of my job as a professional psychic, I will again be able to see momentum <laughs> yeah. um, that makes yeah. sense to me. But it's it's a whole, it's like turning into a whole new world that I've never seen before. And so right. just adjusting right. to that has been really something. You know, I oh, wanted yes, to talk about magnetism, but there's no uh-huh. way we can really touch on it <laughs> in a, a way that would be great. But if, you, if you're like uh-huh. me and can't get enough of Asha, <laughs> please visit uh, her website, ashajoy.com. Uh-huh. AshaPraver.com still works. Naya Swami. I mean, there's so many. They all redirect, but AshaJoy.com. But you have to go to the YouTube channel, friends. Oh, my gosh. I 
I live and breathe and eat by this channel. It's just divine. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Anything you, know, you, you want to find in, out about? Sorry. Well, that's you're, you're exaggerating, Phyllis, dear, but I'm touched by your I am not. <laughs> I am not exaggerating, but... You can type in the word but magnetism. I just, I go to, yes, magnetism. Um, you'll get yeah. all kinds of videos on prosperity. There's things on relationships. There's classes on the chakras. Um, anything and everything, and even uh, conversations with Yogananda, all kinds of things. It just It says he could be on there for for a very long time, and I am. And whenever I can partake, I do. It's really lovely. And many of these are interactive, so you do speak to groups of people who ask questions, and so you get to hear the questions. Uh, so oh, I yeah. think it's wonderful. Yeah. But And your website, Asha Joy, you have a lot of books and webinars. And um, But if you wanted someone to start, say you just want to dive in and you're brand new, do you have your favorite or something you'd like to put out there as a starting place? Well, on the YouTube channel, there's a. <clears throat> in 2014, I went to New Zealand. And so there's a whole, like, called the New Zealand tour. And it's a good starting point uh-huh. because I was, I was meeting a whole group of people for the first time. And I, I sort of did the, a comprehensive curriculum in self realization for audiences that had never heard any of it. So mm-hmm. that's really okay. like, like a starting. And I, I was there for six weeks and I, gave many, many, many programs. So I always suggest New Zealand. There's mm-hmm. two New Zealand tours, but it's the first one, 2014 is the one. So as you happen mm-hmm. to ask, that's the best one. If you go to Asha Joy, mm-hmm. it takes you to the YouTube channel, and then everything that Phyllis says is there. I wanted to just say one word. You know, it's I appreciate your enthusiasm for, you know, my, my, mm-hmm. my work, so to speak. I mm-hmm. am just telling you and everyone who will listen to me what Swami Kriyananda said to me over 40 years I I listened Mm -hmm. to him very intently I did my very best to learn what he had to say and I have spent my whole life and will spend it to the end just passing it on that's how it works Mm -hmm. you know gifts are given to us and we package them up and send them off again and where where we started you know how how do we actually Mm -hmm. affect change on our planet we're very powerful beings we dedicate ourselves yes. to what we really believe in, and we do our very best mm-hmm. at it, and we do our very best to share it. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. Yes. Um, it, sometimes yeah. the, the planet is harmonious, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But our job is the same, regardless. Mm-hmm. And our, our challenge mm-hmm. is to do our job, regardless, no matter mm-hmm. how scary or challenged or yes. unexpected the circumstances are. Well, and yeah, and just or just have thirty seconds here, but I love the YouTube channel because at moments, whether I'm just wanting to learn something or expand myself out of curiosity, or I'm really in need, and I can't get to you because you're in India or wherever you are, <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's available. So I encourage everyone to go to AshaJoy.com. Thank you, uh, Nayaswami Asha, so much for being here. I really appreciate it, and I'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Phyllis. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for being here, whether it's live or to download. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Phyllis King, and I am the Common Sense Psychic. Be well.